So we're going to do a little series. We're going to call it Real Free. I don't know if you've had these experiences, but uh, you, you know, when somebody's trying to give you something, generally I want to know what the catch is because there's always a catch, right? They're going to give me a two-liter, and what they really want is my address, and they're going to try to sell me a credit card or something, right? Or, or they want to invite you to their house. We're going to have a little meeting, and, and you don't really know them, so you assume they want you to sell something for them to make money on, right? Or they're going to tell you. There's like You're always wondering, what's the catch? What's the string? And, and so we try to give stuff away here at Radius if you're new, we try to go to the football game and give away boiled peanuts. And what always happens is people are like, nah, well, I'm good, bro. I'm, you know they love some boiled peanuts, right? But they, they're afraid that you got something like you're going to sneak something in on because ain't nothing in the world free. We all know that, right? That's not how the world turns. Everything costs something. Well, we, we, uh, we fight with them a little bit. And over the course of time, you develop this culture where at the football games in the fall again, we'll hand out boiled peanuts. And now they're starting to believe, hey, they really don't want anything. They really just like giving away free stuff. They're weird, right? <laughs> because for some reason, somebody stayed up and boiled them peanuts, and now they're giving, they're, they're weird people. And I just got to tell you today, this, this event, this day, this Easter day is weird. <clears throat> and if you know Jesus, you weird. So I, I like that. Somebody just went right up to it and embraced it. Yeah, I'm weird. Because um, we state that that our whole way of knowing God, we didn't pay anything for, nor can we pay anything for. It is completely free. It's real free. There's stuff inside of us that argues with that because everything in the world says the opposite. It can't be free. I got to do something. There's got to be some standard I got to meet. There is a standard, but there was this gift that made it real free, just like those boiled peanuts. And it has, if you've experienced it, it has a freedom that comes with it in a way that you can walk across this earth that is is what we're giving away this morning. If if, If you don't come to church much and this is your day, welcome. If you're here all the time, welcome. All of us need to hear the gospel again. Whether you've known Jesus for years and years or whether you're brand new or you're confused, there's good news about a free gift. I just want to talk to you about it a little bit today. Uh, about 20 years ago, man, it, it's weird when you start having stories of 20 years ago when you were an adult then too. <laughs> uh, 20 years ago when I was an adult, <laughs> that's weird. Um, it was in my late 20s, I got invited to speak at this uh, little college. Why they invited me, I'm not real sure. I, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily fit the professor mold, evidently, but... Uh, they asked me to speak on a book out of the Bible. They, they wanted me to teach a one-week class, a block class on a book out of the Bible, and they wanted me to teach a book in here called Galatians. It's, it's, in the, it's in the, toward the end of your Bible. And so I took it, and I flew out to Oregon. It's a beautiful place. It rained every single day. These people go out and play basketball in the rain because they just have to. They're like, you want to go play? I'm like, bro, it's raining. What you talking about? If we don't play in the rain, we don't play. So you go out and slip around. They, they tried to teach me to like coffee. I couldn't like coffee in Oregon, so I just can't like coffee because it's miserable out there. You'd think you'd want some coffee. But anyway, uh, had this really crazy week where I prepared for a while, and then, then I had this dorm room they put me in with no TV. This before cell phones, if y'all can even imagine that. Um, so I couldn't, you know, I called Cheryl on the payphone every night just to check in, and I read the book of Galatians. And I read it, and I read it, and I read it. 
I read a couple other books about the book of Galatians. And it set me free. It's, 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 it's a special little book. If you, uh, if you feel like you just don't measure up, I, I want you to do this with us. This ain't about an Easter service. We're just starting a series. We're going to do it for eight or nine weeks, but it's a little, little read 25 years ago. I knew Jesus. I was a Christian. I was actually a decent guy, but I wasn't free. I just wasn't free, man. I, I, I was looking at my batting average every night, wondering how I was playing. There's something really depressing about looking at your batting average when it's when it might be better than some people around you, but it's still just way short of perfect. So it's just depressing to look at it, and it pushes you down, and it kind of dominates you. And I read this book, and I read this book, and I read this book over the course of that week, and I taught these college kids the, the ideas out of this book of Galatians, and uh, a freedom started to come in me. Soon after that, Cheryl and I went to st- go start our first church. And we picked up a little book. You might want to pick it up, particularly if you don't feel very free. It's a book called What's So Amazing About Grace. It's probably 15 years old. It's written by a guy named Philip Yancey. And some of y'all may or may not be readers of that. You can probably get it on, in your little thing, stick it in your ear, and listen to it if you want to. Uh, Cheryl read it in like a day. It took me like a month. But, but nonetheless, we read it together. And both of us started going down this road. Now, get this. We knew Jesus, Right? I even knew this book pretty good. I just wasn't free. Just, just didn't walk around free, didn't know how to live with people. And so we read this book, and you could just feel like Cheryl and I would talk about this weight starting to pick up off of us that we'd carry. We didn't even know we were carrying. It's something Jesus carried on the cross, but for some reason, we still wanted some of it instead of letting him have it. And we went through this process as we started our first little church in Clemson uh, 20 years ago. We're reading this stuff, and we're, 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 we're trying to figure out what's going on. I can remember us coming home from our little church. Uh, it's called DCF. It's downtown in Clemson. And we worship, and I don't know if you know, you're going to get a chance again in a minute. If you want to act like a college kid, you got you to sing your brains out. I remember people singing that were so off-tuned, so loud. I'm like, come on, bro, you got to at least know who you are. But they're singing and dancing and carrying on. It was just, it was cool, and there was like a, there was a freedom to us. And what I began to discover was it wasn't really about how we worshiped. It was just that, that I would come to church, and I did not feel condemned Jesus said he came into the world not to condemn the world. Came to the world to save the world. And I started, we met with these little 50 college kids. We actually met in a bar, which I'm sure is against some rule. We met in a bar right across the street from Clemson. We, we started to worship and people started to change. And Cheryl and I started to change as we read about Jesus. And we kept reading this book, Galatians. I taught them this book of Galatians. We all worked through our stuff together. Sitting, when the people started sitting on the bar in the back, I was like, we got to get out of here. <laughs> this is getting a little crazy. It always stunk in there anyway. But we, 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 we grew and changed. And people started coming to Little DCF because people were college kids, 20-somethings. We, 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 were, we were becoming free. God was setting us free. And so people would come that were messed up. And no telling what had happened just the last week. But they felt comfortable with us. 
because we were free. We're going to hit this over and over. Some of y'all have been part of Radius White No for a little while, and you're talking about that. I've heard you talk about it. I heard multiple people talk about it this week. We constantly, if you're new, it's a bunch of hypocrites in here. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I know them. All right? I'm one of them. We're a group of people that really want to follow Jesus, and we fail regularly. So if, if you want to tell somebody, we, we're calling it from the stage, right? That's the world is full of Christians who can't completely follow Jesus perfectly. And so we fail on a regular basis. But this group of people in particular is beginning to grab the idea of the gospel that Jesus paid for all of my transgressions. And there's a freedom in that. That I don't have to stand in judgment nor wonder what somebody else in the room is thinking about me. I got to tell you something. If you want to take that away from us, please leave. Because it's good. And we don't want to lose it. That's what this book's about. Somebody comes in to the early church right after Jesus is gone and tries to steal the freedom that came from the gospel. And our boy's going to write a book called Galatians. It's really a letter. I don't know if you know how this thing works, but laid in the Bible, there's a bunch of letters. It's just a stack of letters. Most of the Bible is are writings from about 40 different men. And this guy named Paul wrote 13 of the 66 books in the Bible. And they're generally written to a church or a, or a region of churches. In this case, Galatians is a region of churches. So it's an area called Galatia. I'm talking about, that's, that's that, that Lexington 1 Ella, uh, uh, education. Uh, Galatians is this letter, and it was written in Greek, don't get cocky and act like it's written English. I mean, it wasn't written in it. We, we were not the original language. So when people start arguing for the KJV, it ought to make you laugh, right? Because this joke was written in Greek. It wasn't originally in English. My dad always says, KJ, he would quote people to say that KJV was good enough for Jesus. It's good enough for me. The <laughs> problem, was, problem was Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> he spoke Hebrew and maybe some Greek. Because we're ignorant that way at times. Let's go ahead and get it out so he writes this letter. You can imagine it's uh, coming in your mailbox. Um, it's not real long, be a couple pages long, typed. And uh, he sends it to these churches. And so it's one of those kind of s s circular letters. He wrote it to one church and he expect them to pass it along to the other. And they're going to pass it around in a little region. If it was us, maybe we'd read it and we'd pass it on to somebody up in Red Bank, somebody over in Swansea, and maybe somebody over, over in Gilbert or, or Saluda or or Batesburg, or, or wherever. Do we pass that letter around? Each church may get up and read it. And so Paul writes this. He's the guy who started the church. They know who he is. And he s sends them this letter. Now, I just want to read some from it and talk about it. And that, that's kind of what we do here. We're pretty laid back. I'll read a little bit of this. And say, this letter is from Paul, it reads, an apostle. We're going to get into that more later. I was not appointed by any group of people or human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself. And by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. So right out the gate, I, I want you to understand how Paul writes his letters. There's 13 of them. If you wanted to study them all, they all kind of start the same way. He starts a similar way, but he gets right to the point. 
dad's in the room. You know how that moment is with your son or your daughter, and you're having this conversation, and you got a little fire burning inside. I, I don't know if y'all get this. I certainly get this. You need to get this on occasion. Got a little fire burning inside, and when they walk in the door, if you do this well, and you need to learn to do this well, if you don't, you can't jump on them right when they walk in the door. All right, You can't. They walk in the door. You go, how was your day? And then you get to it, right? I mean, you get like one little sentence in there just to calm them, make them think like this house is, but they can just tell by how is your day that they are in trouble and they can't figure out why. <laughs> That's the best part, watching your kids going, running through their mind. What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Sometimes they know exactly what they did. Um, well, this is like the daddy writing a letter to his people and he's saying, uh, he reminds them of, of all the good things and he's got this little line right there at the end that reminds us of the day, right? Who raised Jesus from the dead. He speaks of who God is, and he says he raised Jesus from the dead. Some of y'all been going to church your whole life. Some of y'all uh, going Easter your whole life. Some of y'all been here every time it's open your whole life. If you say that you're a Christian, you say that Jesus rose from the grave. That's what you say. Now, here, here's what I want to say in Red Bank. I guarantee you, if the government were to come in and say we couldn't celebrate Easter any longer, I could line up 5,000 men with an assortment of artillery, and, and we could get it on. All right? I mean, we, we could get them right out here in the parking lot, and we could get it on and say we are going to celebrate Easter Darn straight, we're going to celebrate Easter. But the problem is, the majority of those 5,000 men don't know Jesus. They just like the holiday. They just don't like being told, we're from South Carolina. We don't, nobody tells us what to do. We ain't got nothing, but don't tell us what to do with nothing, right? <laughs> I'm one up. Well, I feel it. So there's this weird thing that happens in our culture. We'll die for something. I'm not, I have no doubt we could line men up that would die for this idea of Easter that don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They like the idea. It's like a fairy tale. And they, they sat in a pew. It probably feels weird to you today. If you grew up, they just sat in a pew. They've been in a building. It's a part of the culture. It's who we are. I would die for that on the spot. Now, there's some guys dying for this across the world right now that believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. And so they're losing their head literally because they will not deny the cross, not because they're stubborn. Right? I got a lot of stubbornness. I'll die for a lot of things just because I'm just that stubborn. I just want you to do a little inventory because this is healthy. That's what's good about Easter. You go back and do I really believe that Jesus was dead, all right? There wasn't like this little, he, he didn't like hold his breath. He ain't like Hannibal and the A-team and they put a little stuff in his body and he faked he was dead and he left prison. He rose, I mean, he got up because he wasn't really dead. There's no like catch to this thing. We really believe, the followers of Jesus really believe that Jesus died and that he rose from the grave. No catches. Paul says, he starts off and he's getting at him a little bit because he's about to come back in circle because he's, he's angry. And he, he, he speaks about Jesus, and he says, who raised him from the verse 2. All the brothers and sisters here, Paul's hanging out with some guys. Some guys travel with him. There's Timothy and Titus, and there's a group of them. All the brothers here join me in sending you this, this letter to the church's Galatians. So Paul's writing, and he says, I'm letting everybody read it. 
and we're sending it to you. I need to tell you something about Red Bank. There's only one church in Red Bank, and it is not us. It's every single person that knows Jesus that lives in Red Bank, that lives in Lexington, that lives in South Carolina. There's only one church. We can get really arrogant about what we do or how we do it and start pounding our chest about our church, but the church and about some people in a building. It, there is a church. There's one church in Columbia, South Carolina, and we need each other. And you can feel that right now. We're writing this letter. We're writing it to y'all. We're a part of the followers of Jesus, the church, and we're writing you this letter. We're all doing this thing together. One of the things, if you're new, what I say all the time, I sit up here so you can see me from the back. I really belong down there because there's nothing special about me. There's, except that Jesus changed me and he kind of gave me this responsibility and so I'm exercising responsibility but we're all the same we're people that need to be redeemed by a savior for some reason he chose me to lead this group but there's a group down the road let's pray for them right now let's do that Jesus I love those guys down at center point they're meeting in the high school today I pray that your spirit will move in their body that you would uh, speak to them. Pray, uh, pray for the guys up at Red Bank Baptist. Pray for the same. Pray that your spirit will move. The people there that know you, pray that they would uh, worship well. Folks that don't, Lord, we'd love for them to meet you. Lord, we can name, there's, there's churches all over, the church that planted us, Radius Lexington, but there's just churches all up and through, Presbyterian and Methodist and Church of God and Variety. You know all of us. You know the ones that know you. Speak, Lord. Make us free enough where we can operate together. Pray in your name. So he just writes his letters to the churches. They pray for one another. It's not like this competition going on. Easter ain't a day to compete to see how many people you can get in the room. Right? We really believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and this is one of them days. We, we say that. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons the church meets every Sunday is because Sunday was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So probably more accurate, accurately, we're going to celebrate Easter again next week. So y'all come on back. You can wear the bright colors again if you want. I got my pastels on. Cheryl's out of town, and I rock the pastels. Y'all let her know. But, but you can wear them again next week because it's Easter again. Jesus rose again, and we're going to celebrate it next Sunday because he did it on a Sunday. We don't know what Sunday. It's a celebration because it means that you are free that you have life. He says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Other translation actually starts with grace and peace. Grace and peace from God our Father. It's the idea if I was to shake your hand and I would grab it, and depending on who you are, how you grab hands. You know, some of y'all, we do a very good white handshake. When we shake hands, you squeeze hard. Some of y'all got them hard hands, and I feel like I got to muscle up uh, to, to get in there. Oh, Eric's got one of them. I got to get in on that hand because yeah, his hands are strong. But the other y'all, I know what, we, we got a little more rhythm to our handshake cadence, and, and we look at it, we have this ex- these exchanges. Some of us say, what's up? Some of us say, what's happening? Some of us say, hello. Some of us say, hola, right? I mean, whatever. I mean, you say whatever. We got these things that we do. And in the Christian world, we, we have these little phrases that we say to one another. I think most of them are corny as heck, but we, we say them nonetheless. Somebody on the phone, be blessed. I'm like, what, is that? what in the heck does that mean to be blessed? I don't know how to be blessed. I mean, you might say it, so I'm sorry. I'm making fun of you right now. That's what I'm doing. But anyway, 
We just got these things that we do. And in the early church, what very quickly happened, uh, just like Doug shared a, go, a, a little bit ago about Moldova, but they began to say grace and peace to you. So, so Paul's really starting off this letter. He's writing it to his friends. It's like when you're speaking to your kid when you are, grace and peace to you. I'm about to punch you in the mouth, but grace and peace to you, right? <laughs> grace and peace is really a cool thing. I thought about it in comparison to some of the words we use. We bless people with something else, like hope God gives you more. Grace and peace is celebrating what we got, right? So grace and peace to you in the Lord Jesus Christ is the idea that, hey, bro, you already got it. Praise God, you already got it, right? We ain't asking for more. Sometimes we say, be blessed, and we're hoping you're going to get something more like you don't have enough. Well, he's saying, hey, we, he, we just said that Jesus rose from there, so grace and peace to you. It's a blessing. May God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. And then he goes into this just little simple line that I don't know what you grew up hearing, but I want you to hear this clearly. Jesus gave his life for our sins. Just as God the Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. That's not complex. That was the gospel. That is good news. Right? What's it say? It says... Jesus gave his life for our sins. He voluntarily. Think about the guy that we celebrate who dives on the grenade and saves the men around him. He voluntarily substitutes for them. He dives on the grenade and gives of his life so that they could have life. And we celebrate that man as we should for his bravery and for his love for his fellow soldiers. And Jesus is saying, and this is what the scriptures is saying, Jesus voluntarily substituted his life for your life so that today there's something to celebrate. Jesus gave his life for our sins. A piece of the gospel is just understanding that I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I do not belong in God's presence. I read Tim Keller. He says the gospel, the message that we were more wicked than we ever dared to believe. This book of Galatians, I hope, is going to uncork this in you and you can do the research in your own soul and you can stop comparing everybody else around you and go, am I or am I not wicked? I remember my wife going through this process where she's just trying to work it out in her own mind and mine shows a lot of her. She, she's studying with some ladies. She can't come home and she, you know, she knows the Bible and she... She's got all kind of good stuff going, and she kept saying she's wicked. I'm like, did you y'all tell me something when we got married? I was like, 10 years, I'm wicked. But there's just this, this true examination of any heart, no matter how good or bad you might think you are, is you find this wickedness, and you need a substitute. Because that wickedness, that sin within you, before a holy God demands, you, demands of you your life. And so, Paul's just writing it to the Galatians just straight like it is. I love it. We're at Red Bank. But we do some marriage counseling here every once in a while. It's dangerous if you've done it because we just shoot straight. We don't really know around. Go around to the back door and kind of beat around. It's just like straight, and it's shocking at times. It's, it's not really fun. Just the straight truth is you're wicked. But the good news is 
there's this incredible hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his life for our sins. Keller writes, the message that we were more wicked than we ever dared to believe, but more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared to hope. That's tight. I like to read the smart guys, everyone. They write stuff well. But we're more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared to hope. There is never, there's nothing in this world that can touch the love that Jesus demonstrates for us on the cross. There's freedom in that. Just as God the Father planned. Imagine planning the execution of your child. Can't imagine it. (laughs) Be a lot of people hell bound in my case, right? Because planning the execution of my child for your life, that, that throws my mind into lockdown. I don't know how I could pull that off. And yet, the good news is that Jesus gave his life for our sins, for our wickedness. God the Father signed off on it. He planned it, how it was going to go down. Because it says, in order to rescue us from the evil world in which we live. Let me read you this whole quote from Tim Keller again. The gospel dash the message that we were more wicked than we ever dared to believe but more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared to hope it creates a radical new dynamic for personal growth for obedience and for love if that is true if Jesus really died and gave himself as a substitute a voluntary substitute for you because you're wicked and gave you the opportunity to be loved and showered with the blessings of God the Father, which God the Father planned, it ought to change everything. We ought to be the freest people in Red Bank. When you look at us, everybody ought to go, and they're free. They just don't seem to be all locked up because there's no condemnation for us. It is this thing that should occasionally pull a tear out of you. I've had a couple people come and confess some stuff to me through the years and sitting across the table. I really don't know why they confessed. Made me awkward. Uh, some affairs, addictions, abortion. Sometimes it's something simple that they thought was really bad that they thought I'd freak out about. I've had my own children come and say they're sorry for, for things across the table. And I got, I can forgive them, but I'm not the ultimate forgiver, right? There's this there's this uh, thing that rises up in me. I want to tell them the gospel. Because in, in, in the middle of it, and everybody in this room's got your list, right? It might be hidden. It might be exposed. I don't know. You got your list. And, and all of a sudden, we come out with this list that shows that I'm broken. I want to use the word wicked today because it gets in our business. Broken sounds like, oh, okay. But we're going to go wicked like I chose to. And, and I bring it in there before Jesus, and then Jesus tells us the gospel about himself. It's this, this thing. I, I, I get to do it with my kids every once in a while, and just, just go to it. Don't allow the enemy to double-dog you on this thing. 
right? Because then he can not only condemn you for the sin you committed, but now he's going to get that thing to spiral down. Instead, accept the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Because if you don't, you insult a broken body of Jesus. Because you say that the blood and the juice back, I mean the juice and the bread back there, that as they represent the body of broken Jesus, that's not enough. That's not enough to cover. I got to beat myself up. I got to be guilty. I got to run laps. I got to do push-ups. I got to do something. I got to give more money. I got to do something to fix myself. It's a miserable place to be, and you feel like you can't get out. He completely washed your sins away. (laughs) That is crazy good news. Why we start churches? Just because people need to hear good news. And then you can create this culture that's free because everybody in the room is forgiven. Nobody is righteous outside of the blood of Jesus. So we can't compare. We can't look around in a room and compare. If you want to compare, please leave. Right? This ain't going to be your spot. He says that he rescues us from this present evil age. He says, what, what does that mean? That means that, uh, I don't know. Maybe we don't flow along with how everything else flows. It's interesting, the deeper I fall in love with Jesus, my stuff becomes, I don't know if you ever heard this word, counterintuitive, like I... I feel like, man, I'm going the opposite way away. It feels like everything in the world says I ought to go this way, but I'm going this way. Anybody else got that going on on occasion? The deeper I fall in love with Jesus, and then sometimes I just like, I just get taken with the flow. And then I've got forgiveness. I come back to the bread and juice back there in the back, and I go, thank you, Jesus, because I just got taken with the flow the way the world works. But a lot of times I feel like I'm like the undertow. Undertow is a bad thing, but that's what I feel like. I'm the undertow. I'm going the other direction. All the way to the world is going this way, but something about what Jesus is doing inside me, this Holy Spirit, is pushing me, is pushing me the other way. And, and, and in some ways, I'm looking around, and I'm, I'm healthy, not perfect. We use the word healthy here a lot. I, I'm just healthy. The people in my radius, they really love me. I get to live in this little community of love, and, and the rest of the world seems to be fighting for that love. And, and they write songs. There's all this stuff trying to fight for love, and they will bet everything they got to get it. But, and I got it. And not only does it play out as I look to the future in eternity, where I, I believe that because I've been forgiven, I can spend all of eternity with Jesus, which is going to come out of this passage. But even today, I have this freedom about me. It's not perfect. <laughs> it's anything but perfect. Ask anybody who lives in my house. But at the same time, you look at it for a while, you're going, that thing just feels like it's going the other way. You know why? Because I've been given an antidote. I've been given an antidote to this plague that has taken on the face of the earth. There's about 40 movies about it. There's like the greatest movie ever right now, right? Every, every, there's a show called The Last Ship, which got me hooked in last year. But there'll be another movie in a couple weeks. There's a movie about some massive disease. It was Ebola earlier. Uh, you know, we're going to buy I bought some rice and stuck it up on top of the fridge just in case I had to cook for my family for a while. But it'll get in your mind. You'll start looking at it. It'll scare you because you feel like the whole world 
So don't come to my house, right? All we got is rice. I ain't got nothing for you, man. All right, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Anyway, then you're going, you, you, the, whole, the whole world is covered with this de- disease, said the Scripture. It's all lost. And yet, Jesus comes with the antidote, which literally is his blood. I don't know if last ship they, they do this little thing with the blood and they start inoculating people and then you can run around and, and you don't get the disease from everybody else. You can still get caught up in the chaos, but you've been set free. You don't have to walk in fear any longer that you're going to lose your life by this sin di- disease because you've been set free. Not because you did anything, because Jesus did it. That's what today's about. That's what this little book's about. I'm going to send the band around. We'll worship on that in just a minute. But I, I got to get a couple more verses. Uh, he says, all glory to God and forever and ever, exclamation point. Anybody talk on your phone, do the texting on your phone? I, I can't understand my exclamation point. I'll be like, I love you, Cheryl's in Seattle. I love you, exclamation point. Wait, write something because my, my language must be off from the average American. But... Uh, it, he, 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 exclamation point, all glory be to God, the Father, the one who planned it, the one who executed it on his own son. And then one of the things I think we celebrate today with the resurrection, as we remember the resurrection, he accepted the payment. You ever owe the debt? Can't get it? Somebody pays the debt, and then the person you owe accepts the payment. Right? They don't say, I don't take credit cards. They say, I take, they bring somebody, you can't pay your debt, you're down. Somebody comes in that doesn't know you from Adam, but loves you nonetheless, and and puts the money on the table and pays it. Well, that's awesome that he's willing to pay it. But if this 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 guy on the other end that received that's receiving the cash, if he's stubborn, if he's mule headed, and he ain't gonna let you get out of it, he's vindictive, then he won't receive that cash, and he'll give it back to the guy and say, "I want it." That's not what God the Father. That's what the resurrection is about. That's why he rose Jesus from the dead, because he said, "I'll take that." And he says, you're free, baby. You're free. All that debt. Some of y'all got some of this. I got some. Some debt. Boy, if somebody came in and wrote a check for that, you talk about some hugs, right? You thought we had to go spend some money. No, I'm kidding. That'd be a better deal. But we, it'd be a celebration. It paid off all that debt. And we're we going to be giving this guy a hug who paid it and this guy who we owed it, city card. I love y'all. Let's cut that sucker up. But anyway, <laughs> there's just celebration all around because they accepted the payment. And God the Father at the resurrection, when Jesus rose from the dead, he defeated death. God the Father said, I'll take that payment. You're free. You don't walk around with debt anymore. You can't walk around Red Bank looking indebted. If you know Jesus, you walk around looking indebted. That makes no sense. It confuses the heck out of everybody. That's why people don't want to follow Jesus. That's why Easter's just once a year instead of 52 times a year. Because we're bored with it. We're bored with it because we don't get it. So we'll die for it, but we won't let it change us. I'm going to read you a couple verses, invite the band up. And this will set up next week. I feel like, I feel like uh, you know, your mama, when she's reading your story at night, she gets to the end of the chapter, and she, like, baits you for the, for the next chapter because, because that's just what good readers do. Cheryl's, like, awesome. She does all the voices. It gets a little scary sometimes. I'm like, baby, that junk. How do you do that stuff? She'll be singing, like, carrying on. The kids be locked, and she'll go, I have to read the next uh, rest of it to you tomorrow night. Like, baby, that's just wrong. That's like... <laughs> You get to verse 6, 
Paul's been nice. Came in the house, gave hugs, said hello to everybody, said Jesus loves you. <laughs> and then the temperature goes up. I'm shocked. <laughs> when a man says shocked, like I just don't say shocked. That just don't seem like Cheryl says shocked all the time. I'm just not shocked that much. Well, Paul's got, he's mad. I'm shocked. When I say I'm shocked, people are running at my house because I'm mad. I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through his loving mercy of Christ. He just explained the gospel, and you are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. He used this word in the Greek. Remember, this is written in Greek. It's a word called anathema. I just like saying it because it sounds cool. He says anathema on everyone, on anyone. He says in, in, in the uh, NLT, let's God's curse fall on you. In the NLV, he says, uh, uh, may you be eternally condemned. In our culture, we say go to hell, right? We say go to hell. If you're going to think like that, just go on to hell. He says, let God's curse fall on anyone, including me, us, even me, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say it again. I've said it before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be eternally condemned or cursed. I don't know how you grew up, but there's this very tempting thing that goes on in church. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've watched some of this, and this may be what you hate. It's tempting to go back to measuring and comparing. It's tempted to go back to the law and evaluating everybody in the room. You can feel it when you walk in, can't you? You can feel it when people are in judgment mode. Even when they don't say anything, because some people will say something to you. They'll tell you what they think or what you're wearing or, 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 or how you look or what you did. They'll, they'll tell you. And other people, it's just like in the air. You can feel it. And you're kind of nervous around them people because you know what, what's going to happen next. It's, it, it, it stinks being there. Been there. Well, we don't want to do this if that's what's happening here. Because the truth about the gospel is that you couldn't pay anything. You were dead broke. You couldn't pay anything. And so Jesus paid it. So there ain't no competition. There's only celebration about Jesus. That ought to change the way we live. Don't get me wrong. We're going to get in that in Galatians. It ought to change everything about us. But this, this oppressive thing that sometimes happens in the church in South Carolina where there's this judgment that just stands in the air as we look and compare notes on one another, it's got to go. Paul says, anathema. So if gossip's your thing, you're at the wrong place. Gossip's all about comparing. Just want to do church. The wrong place. That's not what we're doing here. But we, what we really want to do is celebrate that we have an antidote, that we've been saved. And then we want to take that antidote, stick it in our pocket, and we want to walk out of here. Right? Like, this is the inspiration to walk out of here and take our antidote into our neighborhood. 
Because we got this answer to a sickness, and it doesn't make us any better. We've talked about our neighbors are the same as us. There's no elitism here. I just got this antidote in my pocket, and I'm selfish and full of it if I don't share it. So this, this idea of the resurrection of Jesus, it throws us into mission. It throws us into worship because we realize we couldn't get it done and he got it done for us. And then you realize he gave us this thing. Now I got to give it away because that's just like him, right? He made himself low. He sacrificed all that he had and he substituted himself so that we could have life. So now we have this gift and we got to give it away. Anybody wants to steal it, steal it. We give him stiff arm. We're not giving away our freedom. It's a deep price paid. It was paid on the cross. And we celebrate that weekly here. All of us don't get to make it every week. That ain't no big deal. But that's what we celebrate weekly. In a lot of ways, it's Easter every, every Sunday. So I'll see you next week. We're going to worship here in just a second. I'm going to pray. There's bread and juice back there. If you've never done communion and you want to do it, it's all the way in the back. You kind of have to get up and walk back there. That's, that's just how we are. And on your way back there, everybody's going to look at you, all right? They're not judging you. They're celebrating that you're celebrating, all right? So you can slap them five on the way by. You can say, what's up? Or you can say, grace and peace on the way by, whatever you want to say. It's a celebration when you go back and you say, that blood was spilled for me and that body was broken so that I could be free. And then for those of y'all that can sing, sing freely. Some of y'all hold it down a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to worship. <laughs> Jesus, uh... Thank you so much. I say it, Lord, I, I can barely get it deep enough in my soul to say it well. I've said it so many times. A lot of us have. Thank you so much for freedom. Thank you for uh, not quitting, but making your way all the way to the cross. Thank you for uh, substituting on my behalf of being a sacrifice. Thanks for doing that voluntarily, Lord. I don't even hardly understand. God the Father, thank you for your plan to save me. Thank you for raising Jesus from the dead and accepting his payment so that we can celebrate now. We pray in your great name, Jesus. Amen.